the Charlton Daily. A Scotland Euro 2020 podcast by Hockey the Hack. Hello there and welcome to the Tartan Daily for what is sadly going to be the last time. It's been uh, quite the adventure in the tournament with Scotland during this Euros, but that adventure is now over. And the Tartan Daily was a good name until uh, one day I had internet problems, then another day I had internet problems, and it's not been quite daily over the last couple of days. But I will admit... The original sort of day that I missed just after the kind of Croatia game, I was thinking, I like it took me till last night till I was really ready to to face things and, and talk about them in a in a kind of measured way. So I sorry about that, and then my internet completely failed last night. I was on another podcast and it just died a death. So hopefully it holds up. And joining me as the man to do the ratings, as has been the case during this tournament, is Mister Stephen Carlin of the Stefano Talks. Of the Stefano Talks, get my intonation right. How are you doing, Stephen? Uh, yeah, listen, I'm not too bad. Um, I'm feel I feel like I've had enough time to to digest Tuesday night, but. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into it, but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. Uh, apart from the weather, I mean, I look outside my window right now, it's overcast, it's dull, it's dreary. Ah, Scotland. Dreek. Aye, I'm feeling a bit dreek as well. Um, like, normally when I jump on podcasts, uh, like I've always got that kind of thing, that I'm, I'm doing stuff, so I'm really energetic and all that. I've just, I've not got that with Scotland now. I'm just ready to go, right? Let's put it to bed. Stunned. But the, the one thing that I'm not doing is, like, I'm seeing all these people, I'm seeing Steve Clark out tweets. Get a hoddy oh. yourself, man. It's embarrassing. That is uh, absolutely embarrassing. What, what are they folk playing at? I, I think Scott Brown um, hit the nail on the head. He, he called them armchair Jose Mourinho's. Um, like, People can say what they want about Steve Clark, and listen, people make good arguments about how you know he didn't for the Czech Republic game. He didn't choose the probably the right team. He didn't go for the right formation, the right tactics. He didn't do. He didn't get it spot on that game. I can accept that. But then uh, look at the performance he, he gave against England at Wembley. People were saying he's a he's a hero for for getting a draw, and even the the performance against Croatia, I don't think he got anything wrong. To be honest, I think he got the subs. Uh, I think he did. Right? Do you want me to tell you what I think he got wrong? And I don't know if this was him or if mm. it was the the players. Right? Was where the low block was. Right? Because the low block was. Look, I, I agree. Play a low block. You've got five at the back. That's fine. Don't make the area that you press from your 25-yard line. Make it the 35 or 40-yard line. You're at home, for goodness sake. So that was the one major gripe that I would have as I think we sat far too deep. We invited the first goal. We invited the, the second goal, despite mm. a moment of absolute genius. And yeah. uh, the third one was just like, I mean, the game was a bogey by that point, to be honest. Um, I, I mean, I, I see your point. I, I, I can I, I can accept that, that we were perhaps a bit too high, uh, sitting a bit too deep, rather. Um, but, I mean, in all aspects of the performance, I, I, don't, I think that's probably the only thing he got wrong. And I, I still don't see... The whole performance at the Euros is enough for people to be calling for Steve Clark's head. We're Scotland, for goodness sake. Crazy, mate. What did people expect? We haven't been to a, a major tournament in 23 years. We we beat Serbia on penalty. 
what what were we expecting? You know, were we expecting McTominay and Hanley to be to be Beckenbauer? You know, were we expecting <laughs> you know, to to all of a sudden go on a run? Where instead of having Shea Adams up front, we've got you know World Cup one and Thomas Miller. I I don't know what what people were expecting. Yeah, we, looking at the group, we probably could have qualified from the. Uh, from the group stage, it's probably our best ever time to our chance to qualify from the group stages. But I think bold expectation um, a lot, set a lot of people up for for failure. And I'm I'm not saying that that that's a bad thing. I just think you have to sort of keep um, ha- have a little bit of a reality check in in the back of your mind and say we are only Scotland and there is room for improvement. And this team will improve over the years. This it will not take 23 years to get back to a major tournament. But we need to remember we we, we were punching above our weight. Let, let's be honest. Um, mm. And that Croatia game proved as much because although they weren't the side they were three years ago, they had Luka Modric passing the Scotland team about like a packet of Bassett's jelly babies. You know, that's, <laughs> that's how easy it was for him. It's how easy yeah. it was for him. He is just amazing, mate. Like, an unbelievable footballer. And one of them footballers that, because his games know that based in mobility, like, mm-hmm. he doesn't really need... He's, he's one of those players that genuinely doesn't need that much mobility, even in the modern game, because he just bosses it through what he does up there and what he does down there. And yeah. that, for me, is the, one of the things that I would take. I mean, there's loads of things to point out. Now, number one, I think we did not get the rub of the break injuries, or the rub of the green injuries-wise, uh, with, with a lot of the tournament. So missing Kieran Tierney going into the opener was massive, totally destabilised things, made Steve yeah. Clark kind of rethink it in a way that, that wasn't good. And one of the good byproducts is, I think, for the World Cup qualifiers, we'll go back to McTominay, Hanley, Tierney, when they're fit at the back, mm-hmm. which I think is better. I mean, McTominay's a better playing at the back for Scotland than in midfield. And I think yeah. this tournament has helped solidify that fact. But... We got the, an injury to Kieran Tierney at the worst time. We got an injury to Billy Gilmore at the worst time. And we got an injury to Grant Hanley at the worst time. So that's point yeah. number one. Point number two, the Czech Republic and Croatia played their best games against Scotland. Now, you can argue, yes, Scotland maybe allowed them to play their best games. But hey-ho, uh, they, they did. And I think both of them, well, particularly Croatia, could could maybe do a wee bit later in the tournament if they... If they play at the same level that they did at Hamden Park, but yeah. I think as well, another thing was like the Hamden groundsman made it like a really slick surface. That to me is just giving Luka Modric like the keys to play his best possible game. So that that yeah. was a bit odd. And Scotland players were fawning about at the at the start of that game. But yeah, I, I think if you look at the whole thing, there was wee bits of bad luck happened at the worst possible times. That said. I do think Scotland were the architects of their own downfall and that they just became reined in and penned in at the at the wrong times in games, with the exception of the England game. And also for me, I mean, there's there's also for a long time been the the great should we play at Hamden or not debate. And for all the history that Hamden possesses, I think we were seeing, and don't get me wrong, it was only 12,000. The night was rocking, 12,000 sounded like 120, brilliant. But... Hamden Park does not seem to bring out the best in Scotland, I don't think. So but I think there's another debate to be had there. But that's probably a debate for another day. What we're going to do today is just look at the tournament as a whole, what we can take from it moving forward at the end. But, I mean, that's that's my overall assessment of it. I'm glad that we were here. If, we could, if you told me we were getting one point, I, I would have wanted that against England. 
Mm. And we got a goal. We got that moment where we got a goal at a major tournament. So yeah. I, I know that all sounds really defeatist and really sort of happy clappy, but I don't care. I'm just yeah. I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt right now. There's loads of questions moving forward. We need a goal scorer badly. Yeah. Lyndon Dykes as well. We'll probably come on to talk about the players. And I imagine when we do the ratings, we'll give a rating based on the game. Yeah. We'll probably give an appraisal based on the tournament as a whole. Mm-hmm. Lyndon Dykes is not the answer. He's an option, but he's not the long-term answer leading the line. We need a goal scorer. And yeah. um, uh, uh, Sorry. Chime in, me. I, I was just going to say, um, I, I think it's been one of the most obvious factors from from this tournament is that Scotland have had multi a multitude of chances to score goals, but they've not had that one player, Bar Callum McGregor, that has put the ball into the back of the net. Lyndon Dykes is a great option uh, if you're wanting to have someone run off him because he can head the he can contain the ball, he can head the ball on, he can bring it down. She Adams can virtually do the same, but you need someone to run off and and score. And um, I, 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 people slate Lyndon Dykes because he, he he didn't do I suppose his own job, and I you know I've been partial to that myself. I think I don't think I've rated them over a five in the the previous two ratings that we've done. Um, so I so I can see that point of view, but yeah, listen, we really need a striker, and it, it just sort of makes me angry that Lee Griffiths, who is a you know a born goal scoring machine hasn't been fit for the last three years because see if Lee Griffiths is fit. You've seen mm-hmm. what he did against England. He, he can score goals. I know in his 22 appearances for Scotland, he, he scored three goals and it took him 19 games to, to get those three goals. Um, or So a stat said, um, I'm, I'm just pulling that from my, my head, I believe that's right. But I, I think a fit Lee Griffiths um, playing consistently for Celtic could have could have been Scotland's answer, but you know that's not on Scotland. That's on Lee Griffiths. You know, yeah. I, I think Neil Lennon was speaking today about Lee Griffiths and how terrible his his fitness levels been and his commitment to actually playing football. So um, it's just disappointing. I think he would have been a, a good answer, but then I don't think we've seen a lot of Kevin Nisbet. Kevin Nisbet's a goal scorer, but I don't know. Nah, I'm not convinced he's an international player. I've mm. seen. I was impressed with what I saw in the Luxembourg game, and he's only had a couple of wee chances at the Euros, but he's got a lot. And the goal against Holland. Hmm. The goal against Holland. Oh, sorry, ah, that was what I meant. Um, in the in the the Dutch game, but well, that was actually what I meant. Sorry, he's. Yeah. Um, yeah, in the Dutch game, he was really good. He got the goal, but it wasn't just that. I thought his hold up playing his link up was excellent. There, yeah. there was one time in particular where. Uh, he, he was he had three players kind of bearing down on him, took a lovely wee touch out his feet, kept the move going, you know, and stuff like that is that that's the kind of thing that Lyndon Dykes did not do half as well at this tournament as he can. I can almost forgive him for missing chances and that sort of side of it because I don't necessarily think that's his strong suit, but his inability to make the ball stick up front and and bring other people into the game was where Lyndon Dykes really let Scotland down. But yeah, we need a goal scorer. I think the good thing is. Nathan Patterson, it's, it's a big question whether he's going to get regular football anywhere. I'd like to see him, if he's not going to play in front of Tavernier at Rangers, then let's get him a move. Let's get him somewhere where he's, he's developing and playing regularly because I think that's important. But I think you can see he's the future at, at right back. And then yeah. in goals is a massive question for me because you've got the golden generation of keepers is sort of going to be going to be finishing. Um, David Marshall, Craig Gordon, Alan McGregor have all given brilliant service to Scotland, but I don't see a natural successor of that level or even close to that level really coming through. So 
I think that's the the other big question. So it's, it's at both ends of the pitch. I've got a, I've got a to that in fairness um, for okay. goalkeeper Liam Kelly, uh, Motherwell, Queen of Queens Park Rangers. I think mm-hmm. he's a great spell at Motherwell, um, and I actually touted him to to be in the squad ahead of John McLaughlin. So I, I think we, we've got a good option there. And Andrew uh, Clark as well. A lot of people fancy. Mm. But I'm not convinced either of those. Kelly, I think, has got the he's quite good at the modern goalkeeper bit, you know, like moving the ball and that sort of yep. side of things. But I mean, in Marshall, and I think you saw it in the Croatia game, he made three brilliant saves, and two of yep. them were where he anticipated the play and got out quickly, which yep. 36 is 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 very impressive. And I, I think what you're seeing is you've got a class short stopper in David Marshall. Yeah, and we're going to miss him when he goes. But I, I still think he's got about four years left in him. I'm, I'm not being funny. I, you know, you see, I don't disagree. Actually, I definitely think he can be the keeper for the Qatar World Cup qualification yeah. campaign, and hopefully, if we get there, the Qatar World Cup. But I just think we've got to be having kind of half an eye in the future as well. You know, yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, but I mean, look at Gigi Buffon. He's what forty-two. <laughs> and he's still, he's still playing football. I think he's just signed a, a two-year deal with. With Parma, you know, his boyhood. I mean, that move is awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Like, it's just, it's, it's, like, it's one of those moves that just makes you warm and fuzzy. And by the way, those Italians, how lucky are they? Buffon hits sort of his late 30s and then Donnarumma comes through. Come yeah, on. Donnarumma at 16 uh, hits, you know, the, the sort no, of the Um uh, Listen, they'd, you know, see they do as well. They've had a class um, goalkeeping. They've, they've been rich in it. So have the Germans. Uh, I mean, look at Manny Neuer, you know, going strong, um, his successor. People would say Ter Stegen uh, or, you know, Leno, but I, I, I would put Nubel up there, you know, signed for Bayern, yeah, yeah, yeah. virtually coming through in Manuel Neuer's footsteps. Um, so like, I think we do need to keep an eye for the future. I think that's for one area, I, you know, I did think well, we have a, jo- a golden generation of talent with you get. Billy Gilmore, Nathan Patterson, David Turnbull, Kieran Tierney, Robertson, McTominay, um, you know, Adams, McGinn, McGregor, all players that can still play for Scotland for the next 10 years. Um, so it's just a case of, of, you know, finding goalkeeper to sort of... Well, I think point. that's what I kind of meant as well. We, what I was thinking about, like Marshall and a goal scorer, is like what you've got to look at is maximising the timeline. Although that those names that you said there, that that generation of Scotland players, and there's the good thing is even the likes of John McGinn and stuff are, are still pretty young, you know. And all of the the people that you would be looking to to be the kind of standard bearers for the future. For, for Scotland in the various areas of the team. You, they've all got at least another couple, maybe three qualification campaigns left in them. So I think that's important. I think the way that Steve Clark's managed it during this tournament, particularly after the criticism following the opening game, mm-hmm. it's really, really... I think that's important as well because I think he gave his wholehearted back into the players to the point of being pretty abrasive to yeah. some of the press. And I was actually quite happy. I mean, even as a journalist, I thought, fair play to you, mate. I, I yeah. would probably have done the same because that's where he becomes a bit like a club manager, isn't it? It's more about yeah. managing for the long term, you know? Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like, I, I do get the impression that Steve Clark is looking long term because people would say, oh, well, why did you know fling Billy Gilmar or Nathan Parson and whatever? But I think what he's thinking is, let's protect these boys. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
and they'll get their chances. So make sure that when they do get them, they can take them. And with Billy Gilmore, that absolutely happened. And yeah. I do think it's a totally different game as well as Croatia played, right? I think mm-hmm. it's a totally different game if Billy Gilmore plays because you're no changing the 11 then. And yeah. it's one of the most simple things in football, right? As and, and this happens at any level of the game. If you put a new player in, even one, then everybody else is thinking. It's no like they're on autopilot and just thinking we go again. It's like, so how do we incorporate this new player? What, what's going to change about the way we play? Obviously, Stuart Armstrong's a different type of player. But I think if we'd been able to keep a settled 11 for that game, then I think we could have done a much better crack at it. Yeah. And so that's that's a wee bit of a, a disappointment. But I, I just I, quickly want to touch on what you were saying there. Um, I think as a journalist, and by the way, this is a phrase I'm going to going to use for a wee while, just as qualifying as a journalist. As a journalist, um, seeing Steve Clark, um, you know, come out hitting, you know, he, he really had his back against the wall, but he came out swinging um, for his players. And I, I'm going to say again, as a journalist, I, I, it's something I love to see because I think we. I think, you know, you, you listen to media conferences and journalists ask difficult questions. I want, uh, if I'm asking a difficult question, I'm wanting the person I'm asking that question to come out firing. I don't want them to back down from it. I don't want them to give a, you know, a stereotypical sort of, you know, same old, same old answer. I want someone to come out swinging. And that's what, what Steve Clark has done, uh, did. And it, it's just something I love to see. Um and I think his players will have appreciated that to see that, you know, they weren't getting thrown under the bus. Because I think we've seen time and time again, maybe over the last season, maybe at Celtic, uh, the manager has come out and put his players under the, the bus, which isn't great for morale. So I, I think that's one thing, one area where Steve Clark really excels is that he, he has a belief in his players and he'll come out and fight for them. And knowing that when he's fighting for them, they will go out there and fight for him. So it's a sort of win-win scenario for him. But yeah, um, I, I agree with what you're saying is the is what I was trying to really get off with. No, that's fair enough, man. Like I think there's I think there's an importance to that. And without any further ado then, let's get into the into the ratings. I'm gonna try with my uh well, I got a standard grade math and I got a one for it, which is mm. the best mark you can get for anyone that doesn't know how standard grades work. Um, I've always said, other than my media law, that is the the hardest exam I've ever worked for. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh media law is um um going to be learning a little bit more of that in the postgrad but uh, listen uh, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it because doing oh, previous media law has been brutal brutal, I got a B for it and like I worked for a good month and a half of like, solid studying, aye, difficult anyway, nobody cares about that, people care about our ratings mate, let's talk about David Marshall against Croatia um, what uh, Listen, I, I can't fault David Marshall at all for, for Croatia. I, I think he was unlucky with the goal, primarily because I don't think the defence did their job um, for the, the second phase of that, that sort of attacking play. The ball came in, headed down. David Marshall's just wanting his defenders to get in there, block it, scoop it. They didn't. So he was left very uncut. He made a decent attempt to save it, but ultimately had no chance. Um, he then, uh, Croatia broke through in the second half, and he made a fantastic save when he came out, and you're thinking, no, don't come out, but he had to come out, um, and, and made great saves, so listen, I, I don't think he did much wrong, I think he was unfortunate, he had no chance for the Modric goal, he had no chance for the first goal, and, you know, Ivan Perisic's little flipped header left him with no chance, so I don't think he did anything wrong, I think he made some great saves that kept Scotland in the game, so on that basis, a seven. 
I can see that. Um, usual rule of thumb here, uh, much the same assessment as performance, I think. Scotland, um, I was going to say get battered, but I'm not um, making the English people happy enough to be using that particular turn of phrase. Um, I think Scotland lose more heavily if David Marshall is not in goals. I even think if Craig Gordon, who I think is a decent keeper still, is in goals, he's no got the he's no getting it to to challenge that in in the same way he's not. It's funny how David Marshall, he's lower centre of gravity, he's actually a more imposing presence, I think, than a one on one. So I I I'm giving him an eight because I, I think he was Scotland's best player in the day by a distance. So I I'm I'm giving him an eight. But as usual, I am rating one point higher than you, mate, because that's yes, the way we that. tend to do things. Um but let's see if that, that remains true for um for as many this time. Stephen O'Donnell. Uh, again, don't think he did much wrong. I think he got forward when he had to. Um, didn't again. Didn't I can't, I can't say he did much wrong. Um, played far better than he did in the Czech Republic game. Didn't play as well as he did in the England game. But listen, he, he didn't. He didn't do much wrong. He, he came up against a very strong. I think it was Perisic. Um, was it? Per- yeah, I think it was Perisic. Didn't I, it? I think he kept him at bay quite a bit. He didn't allow him the chance to to get inside and and have a shot. He he kept him very well at bay. So I'm, I'm you know, I, I think a six would be would be fair. Ooh, interesting. I'm going a five. I think he regressed again massively. Uh, I think he. I mean, I was going to go a four, but then I thought that was just too emotional. Um, yeah. but he seemed to be. There was one point where the crowd were getting a wee bit. Because his limitations and his ability, the crowd were getting a wee bit tired and they tried to force it. Like he was forced to pass inside for a, a quick one two and it just was not the option. Which mm-hmm. they'd done is played an easier pass and tried a run beyond. But it was I could tell it was because the crowd he was list he was healing the crowd and it was having an effect on him. Yeah. And I mean that's no that the crowd were, were bad. I think the crowd were really good and especially at the end. I like the send off that they gave them. Like, I mean, I think most countries go out like that at home, then they're getting booed off. You know what I mean? So I was I was quite proud of I was quite proud of the Scotland fans for that. Um Robert Elston makes a good point in the chat. He says I don't think there's much between Scotland and Wales except Wales have their world class player at the top of the pitch. I, yeah. I on. And that's what Scotland need. We need a player in that area. Now Billy Gilmer's still a deep line midfielder, but if we could just get one special talent that occupies the opposition third, then I think we've got a right good team now. I really do. And I think that's that's what we've got to kind of hope. But back on to O'Donnell, I, I think he regressed. I think um, he's obviously got limitations in his play, but I also don't think he did the defence. You say he didn't do much wrong. I don't think he did much right. I think the defensive side of the game uh, passed him by at times. I think he was standing off. He was tucking in too deep, and I, I, I just, I just felt he, he went backwards in this performance. So it's, um, it's a five for me, and that's, that's just. I mean, it could have been a four, but that I'm trying to be a bit more measured. So I made it a five. But um, flip the script there. I'm the one that's going one less than you with the rating for that. Scott McTominay, I'll start on him. I think McTominay, he's better for Scotland at the back than he is in midfield. I think that's certain. Yeah. I thought the bit at the end, do you remember that run he made? Maybe we had about five minutes to go. Mm-hmm. Where he went on a rampage and long burster into the opposition box. Yeah. Given so see if you look at what Italy are doing in the tournament, when one of their fullbacks, say Spinazzola, goes running, yeah. they change into a back three. 
Why mm. does Scotland no do that but become a back four when one of our fullbacks goes or one of our centre-backs even goes? Because mm. playing that five at the back can work really well because you've got a spare defender running for deep. And I would just like to have seen Scott McTominay and Kieran Tierney, for that matter, do that earlier. I would yeah. like to have seen that. But I think the, the defence overall was in disarray at times against the Croatia game. I, I thought we just were so passive, we let them play. And... Also in the midfield area, the press just wasn't good enough. And yeah. even if the defence are sitting low, you've still got to make sure that the start of your press has to be at the very least starting on the 30-yard for goal area. We mm-hmm. were just sitting in deep and letting them play run about our 18-yard box. And that's what led to the first goal. It's what led to the second goal. And it just wasn't good enough. We weren't getting hit in transitions, but I think Croatia had the ability to break us down by sort of picking at the lock rather than relying yeah. on the pace. So I just felt tactically that that was, that was a bit off as well. Um, whether that landed the manager or the players, you, you could probably say I would I would apportion blame to both. Yeah. Uh, aye. Um, McTominay, I'm giving a six, mate. I, I think he was... I don't, a bit like you, I don't think he did too much wrong. I think he was yeah. fairly strong. I think he was one of our better defenders. But if you look at that opening goal... Um, mm. When Perisic nods it back across, that's Hammer O'Donnell's man. So I think you can say that look, regardless of which one of them you point at there, it's, it's their area of the pitch, it's their fault. Mm. And I don't think he did enough playing out for the back or, or bringing that composure. I can only remember two or three instances of that. So I, it's yeah. a six for me, but I, I think that's very, very fair, actually. I think I think it could be less, maybe. Um, the thing that, you know, for Scott McTominay is at the start, I was quite worried, uh, I think he misplaced a pass or two, and that for me isn't like Scott McTominay I always liken him to uh, Paul Scholes, because I, I, what, growing up I was watching Paul Scholes, I never seen Paul Scholes give the ball away once uh, any time I watched him, I phenomenal footballer, and I, I liken him to Scott McTominay because he's very much the same, you don't see him giving the ball away that too much but there's a couple of times he did give the ball away um, and it became frustrating because he is one of your ball-playing centre-backs. You've seen him carry the ball and it's something he can do and it's something I would like to see him do more of. Um, so it was just frustrating from that point of view. But defensively, didn't do much wrong. Um, didn't have an awful lot to do. Um, for the first goal, I think it's more O'Donnell. O'Donnell has to be on Perisic, but he's there and about. He could have tried, but... I, Listen, I, I don't think it's his man's. I can't. I'm not going to apportion any blame to him for it. Um, but I think overall, on the, the basis of it, a five. Yeah, I think that's probably. Yeah, I get that. Him. But um, I, I think that's fair. Aye, well, that's, I think that's fair, mate. Um, I, I could have easily given him a five, but mm. I've just. I've tried not to give the blame too much. Now, Grant Hanley, I'm rating him at the same level as the other players, even though he obviously played a lot shorter a period. Yeah. Of time. Um, and during that period, I thought he was uh, strong. There was one bit in particular, no long before he went off, where he, he just shrugged somebody out of the ball, down the flank, covering yeah. for Scotland. And I think you saw, by the way, when Scott McKenna came on. Oh, um, uh, right, well, we're, we're going to get to him, but... You can see how absolutely vital Grant Hanley's mobility is to that Scotland defence. Because Scott McKenna comes on, 30 seconds, he gets a yellow card, whereas Hanley's been just 
like been the stopper throughout the tournament and, and done really well at it. So I think he's been good. The one thing is Grant Hanley did play one poor pass, which led to Croatia having a, a chance to run on goal. So yeah. for that reason, he goes down for a 70, a six for me. Um, but I don't think Grant Hanley at all was was the architect of Scotland's downfall. And I think, if anything, he's one of the players that comes out of this tournament with real, real credit. Yeah, listen, when Grant Hanley's name was called to the Scotland squad, I went, Jesus, suffering. You know what? Because um, I was like, Grant Hanley, synonymous with failure with Scotland. Uh, is yeah, he's an Orient fan. I knew that he was a better player now. But no, I can I understand did. most of Scotland felt like you, mate. I did. I do bow to your superior level of knowledge on Grant Hanley, but I, I genuinely was like, crikey, man, if if Grant Hanley's the answer, what on earth is the question? Because I didn't see him having a great impact. But listen, I I love having that sense of someone proving me wrong because I love proving people wrong. So for Grant Hanley to prove me and the rest of the doubting, um, you know, support wrong. I'm happy for him because it was a, a stellar campaign from Grant Hanley. Yeah, I can't can't word it any more than that. Was strong against the Czechs, was strong against the the team in the south of Scotland and was incredibly strong um you know against Croatia before he had to go off. Um one bad pass as you mentioned but listen stellar campaign from um as we've done in previous ratings anybody that's either been subbed on earlier so uh, subbed on late um they get a, a, a fair rating of five. For me, Grant Hanley falls into the same category. Um, on the the camp on the whole of the game, you know, he wasn't on for long, but when he was on, he was good. Um, but obviously not as sensationally would have been had he been on all game. I would probably inclined to give him a seven or an eight, knowing how strong he would have been for us. But I think a five is fair in the, the time that he played. That that's your way of doing it. Your five is my six, so <laughs> I think I'm a bit closer to a kind of football manager type number with, with it. Um, Kieran Tierney, I'll go first again. I think KT. I mean, there's no doubt he's absolutely vital for Scotland, but I did I didn't see enough of the the kind of things that make him special. He got caught yeah. out of position even a couple of times, but being Kieran Tierney, he managed to fix it before anything bad happened. You know, um, yeah. whether a challenge or forcing somebody out wide. In terms of just instinctual defending, Kieran Tierney's... I mean, since he was 16, he knew whether he pressed somebody or stand off. Like, it's just something he just has. It's an innate ability in him. So, uh, I mean, almost kind of unfairly, like, uh, I, I expect that of him. That's the bare minimum you get for Kieran Tierney. I expected more in terms of knitting the play out and helping us play out to the back. I expected more in terms of bombing on beyond Andy Robertson and offering an outlet on the left or on the inside of the left. Uh, and I didn't see enough of that for Kieran Tierney, but because his defensive work is so resolute, consistent, um, even though there were a couple of wee flickers at no being quite right, and I think definitely he was someone who, when Scott McKenna came on, just there wasn't that same sense of understanding between the three, I felt. Um, but aye, Tierney gets a six for me. Um, again, you know, I'm similar to what you were saying. I think he caught a position a couple of times, but you know, keeping to any fashion, sprinted back, made sure that it wasn't an issue. But uh, yeah, I didn't see enough of the Kieran Tierney factor that, that we're used to. Uh, he wasn't as majestic as he normally is, he wasn't as silky as he normally is. Um, and overall, I didn't see enough from him. You know, we talked, we spoke about the dovetailing between him and Robertson. Thought it was, you know, flourishing quite well, but didn't see enough of it on uh, Tuesday. So I think uh, 
similar to Big McSauce, a five. Fair play. I wholeheartedly get that. Um, Andy Robertson, the captain. Now, I should say, I'm almost inclined to knock his rating up by one or even two based on the the wee thread of tweets that he put out. I thought it was was brilliant what he said in in terms of... I'll just find them and read them out, actually. Um, Last night, yeah, I think everyone's seen now. See, when it comes to the way Scotland has responded to this whole tournament, I mean, when I'm driving about in the motor, everywhere I ask, well, I don't drive, but when I'm having someone else drive me about in the motor, I'm seeing nothing except Scotland tops from about 70% of the people that I'm seeing round about in the street, men, women, boys, girls, brilliant to see. And I think the way that we've supported our team for the most part, obviously we mentioned at the start the fans that are giving it Steve Clark out and all that, get a hold of yourselves. And like to be honest, I've seen quite a few journalists as well just like dying to have a go, dying to be critical. And it's like, do you know what? Give them the benefit of the doubt. If Steve Clark has the move, I mean, he's moved it on to get us to this point. If, yeah. if the team's not getting better again in 18 months' time, then maybe start asking, right. Is this still moving forward? Is this still like on a positive trajectory? At that point, you can maybe raise questions, but at this point, it's it's ridiculous to be critical. And anyone who's saying we've got enough quality that we should be going here and, and competing and really going toe to toe with all of these big teams, I think is wrong. I think we really lifted it for the England game, and I think there were elements of the performance. I think we were probably, as I say, too low in terms of where we located ourselves in the pitch against. Part, part of the time against the Czech Republic and definitely most of the time against Croatia. But other yeah. than that, I think for the most part, a lot of the ingredients were there. You've got a goal scorer, you don't get key injuries to Tierney, Gilmer and Hanley. And I think there's a chance we go through that group. So, I, aye, that's where I stand on it. And I'll read. I'll, I'll let you come in and then I'm going to read Andy Robertson's tweets. I think for the people, you know, we spoke about Steve Clark earlier, but I think for the journalists that are sort of, you know, calling for his head, it's so typical of Scottish football. And, I'm, you know, I, I say this and I mean this way, you know, the, the, from the bottom of my heart, I genuinely mean this. We are far too negative a country, for, you know, in my opinion, I came off a of social media on Tuesday night after the Croatia game looking at some of the stuff and I'm thinking this is utter drivel. There are positives to take from this from this campaign. Look at the positives. Stop being negative. You know, there's no wonder why, you know, people come off of Twitter with their head absolutely in the gutter because people talk absolute mince. And listen, don't get me wrong, I talk mince. I talk mince quite a lot on Twitter, but at least I try to look at the positives before the negatives and address them because I would rather be positive about Scotland and and see look at where we can improve and and talk about we you know the positives that can come from that rather than yeah listen we should have done this and we should have done that and, and you know if hindsight was was great you know if hindsight you know if we all had hindsight it'd be it'd be absolutely brilliant but. Uh, far too negative and journalists for me in this country uh, specifically around Scotland can be too negative I uh, have a go like it almost mm-hmm. seems to me and by the way I see a discrepancy between broadcast journalists and print journalists and I think the yeah. print journalists are just dying to pen something really negative and I, I just I just don't see the point like, I really don't uh, build the game up like that's I, exactly exa- that is exactly it Stefan build the game up don't pull it down Yep. Have that sort of knowledge that people read your stuff. Their opinions are influenced by your stuff. So if that's the case, right, why not do something that is 
opining in a positive way, or at least rather than going, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, he's rubbish, whatever, right? Look at look at the criticism Stephen O'Donnell got. Now, it was yeah. merited from a football point of view and that he had a really poor game, right? And yeah. the fact that he's got limitations as a footballer were clear for all the world to see. He'll know himself he's had a bad game, right? But in this day and age, the fact that he was pilloried so, so readily, that had a complete effect on that guy. And you yeah. could see that. And when he came out after the England game, it was almost you almost saw the sadness in his eyes a wee bit. And that's not the way it should be. This should be the highlight of his career. And I'm not sure at the end of his career he'll necessarily reflect all that positively on his major tournament that he had with Scotland. Hmm. So that's sad. That that shouldn't be the way it is. And fans on Twitter is different from people who have actually got the 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 privilege of of sort of opining and writing for these institutions. So I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. Build it up. Don't pull it down. Yeah. Um, who, who are we on rating Andy Robertson? You said you were going to... Yeah, I'm going to give the Andy Robertson tweets. I'm going to give you a question from my mate Craigie Byrne, who pointed out that I do drive a moped, if not a car. So thanks for that, Craigie. Um, he <laughs> said, people are describing Steve Clark as a dinosaur, etc. Do you agree with that? So I'll let you feel no. that way, Stefan. No. I don't because a dinosaur, you know, comes to me as outdated, something that you know uh, is very old. Um, okay, I think Steve Clark's maybe in his mid fifties. Okay, you can argue that is pretty old, but no, I don't think he's a dinosaur. Um, I think he can be a little bit stubborn with his his choices. I think he has his favourites. Um, I think that's similar to to what Gordon Strachan had. Um, but no, I, I, listen, I don't agree with, with terms of dinosaur because I think he's the only coach in 23 years that's been able to get Scotland anywhere close to a major tournament, uh, let alone get us to a major tournament. So no, people that are, uh, that are calling him a dinosaur were singing his praises back in November and wanting to have his babies. So um, let's take it with a little bit of a pinch of salt and, and just accept that Scotland have their limitations. If we weren't going to you know, win the Euros, um, uh, they were in a tough group with teams that were no mugs, um, and, you know, they, they, did, they did well, they played within their means, and they, they punched to an extent above their weight against England, so, um, no, I don't, I don't think he's a dinosaur. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Uh, my, my kind of view on that is, look at how innovative he's been with the right centre-back, and the, the le- well, well, the midfielder at right centre-back, and the left back at left centre back, and when that operates at its full capacity, just how intuitive that is as a, a tactical setup. So on that basis, calling him a dinosaur is nonsense, absolute nonsense. And the type of football he's trying to play is progressive. It's not in any way hoofball or just relying on things. We're trying to play through the phases. Yes, we vary up on occasion. We have to. And I think if Lyndon Dykes is a better tournament, then Scotland have a better tournament. But I, I, I think dinosaurs, I mean, it's one of these terms people love to throw around, but it's nonsense. Applying that to Steve Clark, absolute nonsense. Get a hold of yourselves. Now, I'm going to read those Andy Robertson tweets. He said, where to even start? I suppose the first thing to do is say that we're sorry for falling short in the end. We desperately wanted to make even more history, but we didn't quite get there, and it hurts. Seeing the entire country not only following what we've done, and supporting us, but lifting us every step of the way made a big difference. For the incredible support of the Tartan Army to the kids in the street wearing Scotland shirts, we felt your love and been inspired by it. 
To captain this country and these boys means the world to me, and the feeling I've had leading them out in a tournament is impossible to describe. What matters now is that we do all that we can to ensure that this is the start of a wonderful journey rather than the end. We want more. We want to qualify for more tournaments, and we want to make the people of this magnificent country even prouder. We will give everything we have to make this a reality. Scotland, it's been a pleasure. Andy Robertson, reading that was a pleasure, and you have been a pleasure, mate, even though I'm going to criticise your display against Croatia momentarily. But um, aye, no, I, love, I, I loved every, every word of that, the whole sentiment, the balance of it. I just thought it was spot on. I liked it. Um, it's the mentality you want from your captain to say that we want more um, because he, he is right. If the players want more, the fans obviously want more. Everybody's going in the right direction. Things can only go up for Scotland. And under the captain, uh, captaincy and leadership of Andy Robertson, I think Scotland can. Don't get me wrong. I've been critical of Andy Robertson being a captain. said that the reason he's a captain is because he plays next to Van Dijk at Liverpool because he's in a solid defence. But the, the performances he's given at this tournament have, to me, been the, the qualities of a captain that leads in every day in that team behind him. You can tell that. Mm-hmm. Aye, that's it. He's looked like a leader of men. I think, obviously, you got the captaincy at quite a young age to be your country's captain, and that was by virtue of everything you said. But he's looked every inch a Scotland captain, and yeah. he carries himself a Scotland captain. He looks like a Scotland captain. Uh, I'm behind him for the entirety of his tenure as a Scotland skipper. I mean, you think of some of the... Some of the folk that have worn that armband in the past, I'm really happy to see Andy Robertson wearing it. And uh, I'll, I'm looking forward to that adventure that he's talking about and that he and the team can take us on, hopefully. Yeah. That said, against Croatia, he didn't offer enough. I, I think it should have been his job to try and lift the... If, if the tactical instruction for the sidelines not being communicated, it's his job to lift the team further up the pitch. He's got to say to them, because look at look at the Liverpool team. They're not going to play a line like that, right? Now, granted, Scotland are a completely different kettle of fish, but at the same time, Andy Robertson should be looking at that and thinking, right, we don't have the height to handle this. He's no, he's an intelligent guy. He can see that. So he should be saying to them, right, we're in the 20-yard line. The midfielder's on the 30-yard line. We do that. We don't ship three goals. I'll tell you that right now. We maybe concede two, but we don't ship three. Mm-hmm. And it's... I think it's a different game. So I think for that perspective, he could have done more. And he didn't offer enough attacking. He, yeah. he just didn't. Uh, and that was a disappointment because I felt he was really good in the first two games in that perspective. So, aye, uh, disappointing for me. Andy Robertson gets a six. I think it's uh, similar to the Tierney performance. I don't think we've seen enough of him. Uh, I totally agree with your, your comments about pushing the line further up because you wouldn't see that at Liverpool. But in fairness, we have Grant Hanley in defence, not Virgil van Dijk. Um, love Grant Hanley. Not going to take anything away from him, obviously. But Aye, you can't um, even shade at him and my channel, mate. No, definitely not. Um, I look, could it could have been better. But I think his best game was against England. I think everybody's best game was against England. Um, had that performance carried through, Scotland could have went through. Um, but look, uh, he didn't do too much wrong. Uh, he didn't dovetail with Tierney as, as well as we, we, we thought he would. It didn't get enough, uh, forward enough. So I think on the same basis, he falls in the same category as Tierney and McSauce. I need to stop saying that because I'm going to get messages saying, stop calling him that. Um, uh, McTominay. Uh, it's going to be a five. 
Did you? I you gave me to uh, Tierney a five as well because I forgot yeah. to put that down. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cool. Um, Stuart Armstrong, one good cross, one good switcher play. Other than that, rotten. Right, rotten. Different type of player for Billy Gilmer, of course, but. There was one instance in particular that summed up his performance for me. Stuart Armstrong's in there for the transition moments where he can carry the ball up the park and hopefully do something at the other end. Yeah. One moment I remember him picking the ball up on the left and having a chance to run at them on the counter, he blutered it out of play. And I just thought, aye, right, that, that sums it up. And I, I was really, really disappointed by by him. Stuart Armstrong's got a lot of degrees, a clever boy, uh, so I don't think it was any lack of intelligence or anything like that. It, it wasn't a... Then, the other thing is, what's at the forefront of my mind is these boys only get out to half a bad game. And that's still at the forefront of my mind. But Armstrong was rank rotten. And I think his performance did very much hold back the amount of threat we could carry because we were relying on him to come in and do his thing in terms of helping us to carry that threat. So, aye, uh, I mean, I've put him as a four, but I mean, I think if I was you, it would be a three. So, <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm very disappointed by, by Armstrong. Listen, I, when Billy Gilmore obviously came out of the equation and we were looking who could be put in, I seen everybody screaming for David Turnbull. I said no. No, not at all. No, I was the same. I was I was back in the Armstrong selection again. By the way, I think Steve Clark got his team right for what I wanted. Yeah, he hundred percent did because Armstrong was the choice. His experience, he played regularly at Southampton, and he has a sort of link up with uh, Shea Adams, a little bit of chemistry there, as there would be. However, the performance I seen from Stuart Armstrong is a performance I would have expected from someone in the Championship. Um, or even League One, because, and I'm talking about the Scottish Championship in League One here, by the way, um, because it was it was absolutely awful. It, it was woeful. Not as good as that Championship or League One performance in England. That's a different kettle of fish. But um, it, it really wasn't wasn't great. Uh, I, I was speaking before the game, and I said, look, if Stuart Armstrong comes to play, then Scotland have a chance because a Stuart Armstrong that comes to play passes the ball, does not miss a. A step, you know, he's he is fantastic. He is a great player on his day. He yeah, will, he's a nature at his best, man. And he will get a better move uh, to a bigger team than Southampton. But the performance I seen the other day was right rotten. I was screaming at the telly to get Steve Clark to get him off. Yeah, you know, I could have been shouting out my window to to get him off to you know Steve Clark at Hampton can hear me because I, I don't live too far from Hampton, but um, you know he just was not at the races. Um, and I think I think it was a major reason that Scotland, you know, we, we talk about retaining possession and ball retention and getting your foot on the ball. He kept on giving the ball away. We had absolutely no chance at that. You know, every time he got the ball, he passed it to a Croatian player. He, really, really poor. Um, so I, I'm, I'm struggling to, to really, you know, be nice here and, and give him a rating. I'm going to go for a two. Based on that, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy the courage of my convictions and go with a three as well because he was awful. Um, Callum McGregor uh, wasn't he brilliant? Was not awful either. Uh, did some of the stuff that Billy Gilmer would would have done. Some of that work he he picked up a bit of that slack. But I think uh, overall. He had a pretty bog ordinary tournament, and 
definitely not the the Callum McGregor of three years ago uh, in terms of the way that he's playing. However, he likes that end of Hamden, scoring goals with his right foot, and he gave us our goal. So, based on that alone, I'm giving him a seven. I, I really enjoyed Callum McGregor's performance. Um, I think he really came to life in the England game. Didn't get too many minutes in the Czech Republic game, so I can't really talk about that. Really came to life in the England game. Um, played played magnificently well. Um, and then, you know, I don't think he did anything wrong on Tuesday. Uh, maybe a pass or two went askew, but I think, you know, he, he always played... I think he played to the Callum McGregor that, that Celtic fans have seen um, for a while and I've said to people, I've said to my Celtic supporting mates, I said, listen, see if that Callum McGregor turns up to Celtic next season, there is your captain. That is a guy you're wanting to be your yeah. captain. Um, and I think he will be the Celtic captain, but that that Me is too. your Callum McGregor at best. And, and just look at the goal he scored. Similar to Motherwell in 2018 at Hamden, that ball zipped across the floor right into that corner. It was a sensational finish. From a tidy, sensational, underrated player. Um, and, I, you know, I can't keep all this praise on him and then give him a terrible rating. Um, so, for me, Callum McGregor got an eight. Fair enough. That's um, that's very kind, uh, I think. But fair enough. John McGinn, lost his superpowers in this tournament a wee bit. That's yeah. how I, I kind of felt about it. I don't think he was on the level that he necessarily mm. could have been. I was expecting more in the opposition box from him. I think there was a kind of half moment against the Czechs that now uh, is, feels kind of cloudy in my mind because it was that long ago. Um, it has seemed like such a long week in a bit, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, it's crazy. But I, I think the... I think when I look at it, I'm thinking Callum McGregor, just Callum McGregor, John McGinn should have been the player that was our goal-scoring midfielder. And if you look at the first episode of this run, where it was myself, Andy Barge and Rory Hamilton, mm-hmm. we all thought he would be the guy to get the goals for Scotland. And he really didn't deliver. And I think his tournament was kind of summed up by him going with the wrong foot with that deep hanging cross to the far oh. post. And I don't know. I just feel in a qualification game, John McGinn slot is that. Like, I'll taps it in or does whatever he needs to do. But he's yeah. just, I just don't think he's been at his best, whether it's fatigue, whatever it is. I don't know uh, if he's if he's been at a 100%. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's not in any way saying John McGinn should not be an absolute mainstay in the Scotland team. Of course he should. And there's no question of dropping him. Whereas with Stuart Armstrong, for example, I would be thinking... Right, do we really want to include a 29-year-old that's, that's failed to deliver in future squads or do we want to give a chance to other younger players? So okay. I think there's there's a debate to be had there depending on Armstrong's club form. John McGinn should be in the Scotland team, should be starting in the Scotland team undoubtedly. But he had a poor tournament and he had a poor game against Croatia uh, that, that kind of summed up his whole tournament. So aye, it's a five for me. I think he, he put himself about, he was busy enough. But didn't he do John McGinn things? Lost yeah. his It's a five. He certainly wasn't super John McGinn, we'll say that. And he, I, I don't think he had been super John McGinn since the tournament kicked off. But he's a quality player. He's a tidy player. He knows what he's to do. And he will be in this team for for you know a decade or so to come, maybe more, because he is that, that damn good to, to coach Triple H there. But um, he, a real, real good, good talent for Scotland. Um, however, Croatia didn't turn up. Um, 
how he missed that chance I was celebrating. I thought he scored. I genuinely thought I jumped off my seat going, ah, but I could not believe it that he missed it. Could I not. Was, I was the same. It's a guy you want that chance to fall to, and he goes with the wrong foot. Oh, it was, nah, it was poor. Um, listen, you gave him a five. I, I can't even go that far. Four for me. Mm. I, I thought, had that for that chance alone, the going with the wrong foot is inexcusable. A player of his quality should not be doing that. Should have went with the, the correct foot and scored and gave Scotland hope. So, listen, a four is the, the nicest I can be. Um, I really could have been quite harsh and given him a one, but I, I think a four is, is ample. I think it's the nicest I can be. Fair enough. She Adams. Uh, who? Sorry. Didn't, she didn't. Adams. Did not see him at all. All uh, oh, right, <laughs> he didn't hear me. I know. I, I get. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. He didn't do much, man. No, listen. I, I'm honest. I'm struggling to think. Of, did he have it? Did he have a chance? I'm, I'm honestly. Um, I'm. I'm. Dykes flicked it onto him in about the fourth minute, and he was running at the England defence, and he had a shot, and we should have had a corner, but he gave a goal kick, I think, mm. and that was it. Yeah, listen, look, I can't even remember him uh, in that game. Ref was a goon, by the way, as well, just on that note. I thought the ref was really poor. Yeah, yeah. Um, not as poor as the one in the France-Portugal game last night. But oh, Antonio um, Matteo Lajos, don't even, the Scotland-England, don't even get me started on that baldy. I, I, um, you know what? The the days of baldy refs have regressed since Pierluigi Colina, man. Like, Aye. honestly, um, I've much preferred him. He looked like I used to have a wee model. Pierluigi Colina looked like I had a wee model of the mask, and you would push his back, and the eyes would pop out. And that's, that's what, what that referee for the other day reminded me of because his eye, he honestly, he was speaking to, I think it was John McGinney he was speaking to, and he gave him the crazy eyes. And I was like, God, you don't want to mess with this Argentinian <laughs> nut job. Um, but I listen, Shea Adams. I, I honestly, uh, Hodgie, I can't remember anything from him from the game, and for that reason alone, he's getting a one. That how, that's wow. how low I think he was. I do remember some things from him from the game. I, I think he made good runs, just didn't get found because the midfield wasn't as joined up to the attack as it should have been pretty much throughout mm-hmm. the game. Um, him and Dykes didn't combine half as well, but I'm laying that at Dykes' door rather than his. Mm-hmm. I think his movement was keen enough. I think he, I think he definitely offers a new dimension to Scotland. As I said, in my yeah. wee podium Ode to Joy, episode ten for anyone that's not watched it, but I, I or, or listened to it. I, I, I think you're being overly harsh. I could go. I could see going as low as a three, but. I'm giving him a five because I thought his movement was good. And I don't think the fact that he wasn't involved in the game is necessarily entirely on him. Mm. I think it was the rest of the team no combining with him. And that made him isolated at, at times. So I, I think Adams is worthy of a five. Like, I, don't, I, 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 don't, I don't normally change my, my score. Um, I can understand now you mentioned the runs a little bit. I can I can maybe maybe accept that. So for that that reason alone, I will I will take the one away. I, I will take it away. I'll give him a two. Right. Well, I'll tell you what. It's still, still a record low um, for for the tournament. Yeah, I give a but, two today, and I'm sure I've gave some other. I can't even remember. Uh, I think he did. I think he gave Stephen O'Donnell a three. Is the lowest you've gone? Okay. Right. Uh, well, for that reason alone, 
I'll give Shea Adams a three then. Aye, I, I would say it's no worse than Stephen O'Donnell's performance against the Czechs. So I think that's, I think that's, that's probably fair that you've knocked that up a couple of grade points. Maybe a bit. I don't, do I don't normally do that. No, I know you don't, and I like that you're so. Um, I like that you're so forceful about this. If I'm ever doing a player ratings thing again in future, I'm doing it with you because I enjoy this process with you. Um, aye, Shea Adams, aye, a five for me, a three for you. Lyndon Dykes, the biggest disappointment of the tournament for me personally. Yeah. I thought coming into it, I mean, I've seldom seen a better performance for a Scotland striker than him against Serbia. Kenny Miller against Italy years ago maybe comes to mind where he was really good, but... And that was against Nesta and Cannavaro, admittedly. But I I thought Lyndon Dykes, I knew that he was at limitations. I watched him at QPR last season. He went through a barren run where I think he scored two penalties in about five, six months. And he had a decent spell towards the end of the campaign. I thought, good, he's coming into the tournament in form. Then even better than that, he missed loads of chances against Luxembourg, which made me think, good, he's getting all his misses out of the way before the real games start. But He's just been really poor, and he's not done the Lyndon Dyke stuff. He's stretched it, and he's put himself about, but that ability to bring the ball down and bring other people into play, he's just not had it. He's just not done it. And now, I mean, Lyndon Dykes would have, other than Robertson and Tierney and maybe the keeper, would have been my first name in the team sheet, along with again, they, they would have been the five that I think indisputably in any situation you would play, right? Now, Lyndon Dykes is now at the point where I'm thinking, do we even start him? You know, like I think our best iteration at the moment is him and Adams because of the way they can combine. And I kind of expect them to come back in one of the qualifying games and be really good together. And and maybe without the, the pressure of tournament football, get back to just playing their game and, and getting out their own heads a bit. But we need a goal scorer. Lyndon Dykes is not it. But worse than that, he wasn't an effective target man in this tournament, really. Uh, he was all right in the England game. But other than that, I think he's been been really, really poor. And for that reason, I'm giving him a three and a half. Okay. Um, I take on board everything you've said. There. I think the only thing from Tuesday that Lyndon Dykes well, uh, like, Lyndon Dykes did well. Sorry, that was a struggle to get out there. You can was the his touch control was great when he brought the ball down. He could nod the ball on. It was great, but it just wasn't finding anyone. Uh, it wasn't the out ball he was against Serbia, but he did he did do some good spots. See where he muscled the Croatian player. Um, it, you know the ball wasn't within his control. It was more with the Croatia player, and he pushed. The, he sort of wound his way around the Croatian player through sheer brute strength. I thought that was a plus mark, but he didn't do his job. And I've said this as a striker, you need to do your job, and your job is to score goals. So for that basis alone, for what him and you know De- uh, Adams didn't do, uh, and I'm not going to rate him any worse than Adams because he wasn't. Um, they were both going to get ones, um, but I will be fair. Mm. I'll give him a three. Fair enough. I am surprised you went even lower than me, but I, t- I totally understand it. To be honest, um, Scott McKenna. Uh, so the, the bit that comes into my head here is, right, again, well, no deliberately being bad. He's just no very good. Yeah. And all this talk, remember Aberdeen were wanting 10 million or something for him? Like, 7 million from Celtic, I believe. I mean, nonsense. Absolute yeah. nonsense. I watched him in a game a few years ago, no long after he'd established himself in the Dons team against Hamilton. 
and he did nothing to impress me where I thought, like, you're you're going to be great in future or anything like that. So, aye, I mean, he's, he's kind of... I think he's found his level at Forest if he even manages to survive at that level. I don't think he was good. Obviously, performance is summed up and the, the absence of Grant Hanley and how key he is was summed up by the fact he got booked about 30 seconds after coming on when a guy got run him and he tugged his jersey just to avoid him running through and goal. I had not um, even touched the ball, mate. I had not even touched No, no, dreadful. And my mate actually <laughs> used... It's, it's, it's an oft-used turn of phrase... Also, normally for attacking players, but he just went, he's a cart horse. And I thought, that's absolutely bang on. That is exactly what he is. You know how uh, oh. England fans and United fans call Harry Maguire a fridge? It's, <laughs> it's the term I'm going to use for Scott McKenna because he has the mobility of a fridge. And not just any fridge, one of your great fridges. You see one of those expensive ones for curries? Oh, uh, huge one, I. One of those huge ones with the freezer and the dispensable ice and all that. He has a huge fridge because it's heavy, it's a ton weight, and it doesn't go very fast. And then when you, you look inside and you're thinking, oh, oh, there's not a lot of space in there. Oh, and then you realise, oh, maybe it's not the best quality of fridge, although very expensive, not a very quality. An ice tray, Jink. Jink, he's got an ice tray, or does he lack the composure to have an ice tray? No, listen, you look at players like Kieran Tierney, ice in his veins, that boy. Uh, I do not think Scott McKenna has that at all in him. Um, hopeless, you know, for wanting 7 million, let alone 10 million for, for a player of that quality, no thank you. But listen, I'm all for Aberdeen trying to buy, you know, bam the English up and try and oversell the Scottish game. All for it, love it. But listen, I'm good. Yeah. That, that quality of player. Um, didn't play well on Tuesday night booked 30 seconds in didn't even get a touch of the ball and he took his guy out because he knew he didn't have the legs for him so uh, listen, hopeless player should never have been included in the squad and uh, I, I won Oof, You're determined to give a one, aren't you? Uh, I, <laughs> the another instance of 0.5 <laughs> nah, you're sticking with one. We're not going as we're not going towards the realms of zero, mate. I'm putting the foot down there. Um, I would say the the other thing about Scott McKenna's display that was just pretty tragic was see that one where he got the wrong side of his man, despite being six foot whatever he is and and broad shouldered, right? And he gets the wrong side of his man, and he actually has to kind of dive around him and get the head up. And fair play for showing the tenacity to do that, but to actually been the situation where you get wrong side and when when you're facing a set piece uh, uh, your own goal line is is just reprehensible in the extreme so uh, it's a it's a three for me uh but i uh, that's that's pretty poor for how i think that's going to bring him to a mean average of two for the tournament yeah. um ryan yeah, fraser never, never. um no listen ryan fraser didn't have the desired impact i wanted him to have um i should have been on earlier, a decent player, um, but yeah, didn't didn't have the, the sort of performance you would want. But as with any player that has come on, he's going to get a five for me. I'll keep it mid. Fair enough. I Fraser's. I mean, there was that shot he had, and I'm just thinking, if he has that shot when he's playing for Bournemouth, he probably hits the target, and makes the keeper. But instead, in Hamden, it balloons over the bar and probably lands somewhere in the half a mile between the back of the goals and where the stand starts. You know what I mean? Probably a dug running on it, chasing it down. But yeah. I think, um, I just just know know what we need. You know? Yeah. Um, 
I, I don't know, like, if it's the Steve Bruce Newcastle effect that's kind of had that aggressive sort of effect in his game, but he doesn't look the same player, the same confident player that he was when he was at Bournemouth. And even then, he was, excuse me, a bit part player in the Scotland team a wee bit. And I, I felt he was our real, the best of our impact substitutes coming into this tournament and mm. did not have the desired impact in any game. Uh, and this one was was very much the same as that. So again, I'm, I'm going to stick with you this time. I'm going to go with a five because I think I think we needed more. And as I say, like that that shot that he had, it just it was one of those, there was no conviction about it. It was never hitting the target. And I just think at that period in the game, we really needed something. We needed someone to come on and just like deliver, deliver some hope, you know. And I don't think he did that. So yeah. I five for me as well. Uh, Kevin Nisbet. Uh, listen, I'm not even going to pretend that I remember Kevin Nisbet coming on because I don't. But I'm I'm not going to stoop low because I I think coming on as a substitute when you're probably two one or three one down and the game's gone, you're not really going to able to affect the game that much so yeah gonna stick with five yeah same thing same reasons i know my normal kind of average in that situation is a six but i think given the spell in the game that it was just really wanted to see him make an impact you know like, like or try like really like make yourself readily available to do so but also when you're bringing Kevin Nisbet off the bench in that situation when the game's already gone it's like it's a pretty nothing substitution i mean if he gets a goal like even just like if it comes in off his bum or something, that's that's good. It's like it gives the lad something to build on. I mean, to be honest, I think the goal against the Dutch will, will give him that anyway and give him a bit of belief. And it'll be interesting yeah. to see what, what his future holds. Uh, I would like him to make the right move for him. And hopefully he can build on what's been a good goal scoring campaign. And maybe he can be that answer as a goal scorer. But I think I think he's got to jump a level as a player before that will be true on the international stage. Definitely the major tournament. It'll be interesting to see what his move from Hibs is because yeah. with all due respect to Hibs fans, he's too good a player to play for Hibs. Um, if, if I'm Celtic and I'm Ange Postacoglu, I'm looking at strikers in Scotland and saying the most realistic one we could get could be Nisbet. We have a, a rather controversial striker that we want off our boots. Let's let's do a deal, Hibs. Let's offer you money plus this player, and let's make it happen. That would be me. That that's how I would do it because I would want Nisbet, um, and give them a okay. A thirty-year-old unfit Lee Griffiths could still do a job for Hibs. No disrespect to Hibs, but he could. He genuinely could because he is a good. Yeah, as I said earlier, is he? He is a born goal-scoring player, um. So he could be a threat, but uh, for the move for Nisbet, um. Celtic should probably go for him, but he could go for a better move down south. Not, not I think down south would suit him. To be honest, like I'd like to see him go south of the border because I just think I think it'd be better for him. I think if he gets no, 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 Norwich or Premier League, mate. He's a Championship player at best, okay. um, or a good League One club. But if you're playing League One, then you're probably not pushing your level up enough to be a Scotland player. I think you'd go to League One and be successful. I think going to the Championship would stretch him and he'd be struggling to get in a team. But if he gets in a team and gets a run of goals, then good, because that'll be a... a but the Championship is a the best place for him to go and develop right now. Mm. The English Championship, that is, obviously. So if, if he gets a move there and gets goes to a club where he'll get a chance, then that's good, because that will be 
the best level for him to develop. Scottish Premiership, he can score goals and he's proved that. That's one step up. He's obviously not an English Premier League player. I mean, he could go abroad, but but I'm assuming he'll stay UK-based. So on that basis, aye, I'd like to see him get a move to the English Championship because I don't think he'll play regularly at Celtic either. Okay. So aye, that's that's my thoughts on that. And uh, oh, aye, giving him a rating, I gave him a five, you gave him a five. Last of the players, Nathan Patterson. Young lad looked keen. First thought was to go forward. And I get the sticking with Stephen O'Donnell, but as long as Nathan Patterson's playing football next season, he's got to be Scotland's right back for me. I think the time has come. The time is there now just to go, do you know what? Look at what Billy Gilmore did against England. Let's throw these lads in. Let's let's give them their chance, you know? And I think they're good enough players that even if, if something doesn't go ideally for them, they're going to bounce back. It's a long career. I don't think you're going to ruin them we we won game against somebody like the Faroe Islands or something. Do you know what I mean? So, know what I'm saying? Faroe Islands away, which has not been a happy hunting ground in the past, by the way. Uh, but we've not got Lee Wilkie playing this time. So, aye, I think um, I, I think I would be, be inclined to play him for Scotland in the future. Came on, and everything that I'm said that Kevin Nisbet didn't do, Nathan Parson had a wee goat trying to influence things. So, he's getting a six for me. Um, yeah, listen, I had doubts about Nathan Patterson coming into this tournament. Did he play enough at Rangers to merit a place? I don't know, but you know, the performance that he gave, he came on, I think he had 11 minutes, didn't put a foot wrong. I think he made one bad pass, but did other than that, didn't really put a foot wrong. Can't really complain. I think he will be in the Scotland team for a decade to come, probably more. Um, for as long as he is playing football next season, he should be Scotland's number one right back again. Another player that I you know, wanted to prove me wrong, has proved me wrong, all for it. Um, but I'm not going to edge away from my my way of doing it. A five is as far as I'll go. A five, as we say, your five is my six. Um, and on that note, Steve Clark gets a six for me. He gets a six because I think the team selection was bang on, but I don't think the team played the right way. So I think, as I've said repeatedly on this pod, too deep too deep all the time. If it, if it was his idea to play that low block in the edge of your own box, that's wrong. It's just wrong. Because Croatia are a team that will play round about you, and then we don't have good enough defenders to do that for 90 minutes. So, no. I'm no I'm no wearing that. I think his team was wasteful in possession at times, which isn't entirely his fault. And But I just... I think there were bits... I don't think his substitutions again were, were really influencing the game enough. I think at the point we're two one down, I don't think he's making enough of a wholesale swap to just try and completely jolt life into the game. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, so I, uh, I, I mean, I think he could have put the calipers on it a wee bit more. I think he could have been better in in terms of everything Barry's team selection, and it's only the team selection that's knocking it up to a six because once again, I thought he got his starting lineup spot on. I think he got his starting lineup spot on. Um, I, I agree with you. I don't think tactically. I don't think we were at it. I think we did sit a bit too deep. Um, however, as I said earlier, I don't agree with people saying Clark out. I think he's still got a lot that he can do for Scotland. I think he, uh, we wouldn't have been anywhere without him because I, you know, we were under Alex McLeish. We were getting beat three 0 off the Kazakhs. We were really, really going nowhere. Um, you know, fast, as I said, McTominay being brought in under McLeish was probably one of the best things he ever did. Steve Clark just feels like a breath of fresh air. Uh, he's not afraid. He, he'll, you know, he lives by the sword, he dies by the sword. 
but I, I put this in, in the clearest terms that I can possibly put it. I would rather have him in the tent peeing out than outside the tent peeing in. So um, great, great coach. Will help this team get better. Performance-wise, though, a five. Okay, dokey. I, I get that. Um, and I understand where you're coming from with that. So I'm just trying to pull together some average ratings across the tournament for all of the players. Um, so as I go through the process of doing that, um, I'm just looking at David Marshall. So you gave him a five, I gave him a six for the opening game, then a six and then a seven, uh, and then a seven, then an eight. So I think that brings him with you to an average of a six, to yep. me an average of a seven. Across the across the three games, which I think is in keeping with our general sort of rule of thumb on most yeah. things. Stephen O'Donnell, you gave a three, I gave a four against the Czechs, then an eight and a nine against England. Um, so I'm just working at the halfway point of that because I'm not very good at maths. It's a six point five and a seven point five, and then it's back down to a six and a five. So I'm rubbish at the maths and that, but I think that's run about uh it's run about a four and a half and a five and a half, maybe. Mm-hmm. The tournament with, with the England thing juxtaposing it a wee bit. Um Hendry only played one game. Uh I gave him a four, you gave him a six, so that's an average of a five across the both of us. Grant Hanley got a seven and a seven, a seven and a seven, and let's see. Oh, sorry, a seven and a seven, an eight and a nine, and then a five and a six, which obviously was influenced by injury. Mm. Um, so that's like over seven and over eight. So Grant Hanley's probably in line for player of the tournament for us, um, and I think would be anecdotally anyway. Cooper, you gave a five, I gave a six for the opening game. Robertson, you gave a seven, I gave an eight. Then we both gave eights for the England game. Then it was a five and a six this time because we thought he was poorer. But I think it's overall safe to say the skipper played well. Yeah. Kieran Tierney got eights for both ears for the England game. And then you give him a five this time. I gave him a six, which makes it a 6.5 and uh, a six. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Sorry for any mathematicians that are watching this. Must be hating me. Um, Armstrong, uh, six and a seven off the bench. Uh, just looking at that. Then, oh, sorry, six and a seven. The open game, five and a six off the bench. England, and then really, really poor this time. Two and a three. McGregor, eight from you, and a seven from me. One of the few times you've rated a player higher than me. Um, for the Croatia game, moving backwards this time, England, you gave him a seven, I gave him a seven, and then a four and a five for the the Czech game. Um, I'm only going to do a few more of these. John McGinn, that's an interesting one to look at because I think there was high expectations of him. Five in the opening game from you, a six from me. Uh, then against England, I think we were both a bit kinder, a seven and a seven. Um, and then a four and a five this time, yeah. so that's like just over kind of five for both yeah. of us. So I think that says a lot. I think if John McGinn has a better tournament, Scotland have a better tournament, don't you? Yeah, what about hmm. Adams? What's his average? Uh, she Adams is oh, well, he came on in the first game, so that's a five and a six. So I'm considering that a wee bit less. Uh, you gave him you gave him a five against England. 
because I think you were disappointed with the standard of finishing against the English. Yeah. Uh, and then you gave him a three against Croatia. Yeah. Uh, so if we even if we bring that substitute appearance into play, then you're giving him a five, a five, and a three. So that's an average of, I mean, I would say let's call it four. Yeah. Because uh, the the fact the substitute appearance was was obviously less important and, and it was less time. Dykes three and three and a half for the latest game. You gave him a five against England. I gave him a seven. Um, I, I was just buzzing. Uh, <laughs> and then the opening game, there was a real discrepancy between the way that we saw that. You saw it as a three, and I saw it as a six. That's the biggest discrepancy there's been. Yeah, us for any single player in any single game. Um, so you've given Dykes a three, a five, and a three, which is pretty damning, man. That's that's an average of less than four. Um, so I think what that tells you is, right, where Scotland's problems are, doesn't it? I shouldn't be dating them. <laughs> no, don't be daft, mate. I, I think Scotland's problems are at the top end of the pitch. And yeah. I think that has been wholeheartedly demonstrated by your ratings. And one thing I would say is Jack Hendry and Ryan Christie were the poorest players in the opening game, and they were the two that have not featured again. So I think on that basis, I'm quite happy with that. Uh, and I think Clark generally got his selections individuals right, but I think he didn't take advantage either of the, the five subs quite as much as he potentially could have. And I think that's a bit of a disappointment for me. You know, um, but overall, I think, listen, we got there. We got a point against England. We got a goal at Hamden. That's something. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, got a draw against probably the, the team we probably wanted to get points against the most, but... No, absolutely the team we wanted to get points against the most. <laughs> scored. We kept up that tradition of only scoring in the third game. Um and we broke the fact that Craig Burley is no longer the last player to score for Scotland at a major tournament. That and a win is it, you know, that in itself is a win. <laughs> you know, Craig Burley, he, he's been dining off that for the last 20 years. You know, here in a Monsatanta on uh, ESPN. But he got to shut up about it. Now he can, because now it's Cal Mac. Now Cal and McGregor can go for the next 23 years. I mean, oh, I was the last guy that scored for Scotland. Hopefully not 23 years, Stefan. Definitely not going to be that long. Um, two years at the most. We will be in Qatar for the World Cup. And by the way, when the Euros go to, to Deutschland in uh, 2024, uh, I will be there. I will be there. Davis, but everyone from Britain has been banned for Germany today. So I'm not necessarily... Hopefully they'll have that lifted. I don't know why that is. I can't see why many England fans would go to Germany when the game's at Wembley. But um, let's just talk briefly about that. Now, England's route to the final is pretty easy if they beat Germany, by the way. Like, yeah. It's quite a kind draw that they've got. So we're kind of relying on Yogi Love, are we not? No, I don't think we are relying on him. Um, really? No, not not at all, because this, we're relying on the fact of how poor Gareth Southgate is, knowing that he's not going to get past... He's not, uh, he's not going to get past the Manshaft. Not a chance. I, right. I think that could be true, but he's no as bad as people are making it. They've not received a goal at the tournament. Yes, mm. they've not been brilliant going forward. But if you look at, I mean, look at Greece in 2004, right? If you want, yeah. I mean, England don't have a bang. Mm. So if you have a good defence, 
that's the absolute foundation for the start of a good tournament performance, which is um, something Scotland should maybe reflect on. Because I, I, I don't think it's a case of they've had a good defence. I just don't think they've had an attack that's that's really forced them. You know, you're now going to have guys like Timo Werner, Thomas Muller. You're going to have Kai Havertz. You're going to have Leon Goretzka. You're going to have Leroy Sané. You're going to have Serge Gnabry. You're going to even have guys like uh, Robert Gossens and uh, Joshua Kimmich. Are, are going to be coming at this England backline. I, I don't want to tip my own horn too much. I love Germany. Yeah, I've got family in Germany. I can uh, hear by the, the gusto which she pronounced the names, mate. That, uh, that's very great, mate, to be honest, in fairness. Yeah. Um, I love his pronunciation. Try to follow that way. But listen, Jörg is a great coach. Um, you know, the performance yesterday against Hungary, by the way, what a victory in two senses for Germany to qualify and then obviously for political reasons. But, you know, yeah, they, they, were, they weren't exceptional yesterday, but even if Germany put that performance on against England, they will win because England, they're, they're no much. Drawing with Hungary, they can, a performance like that will beat England, do you think? Yes, uh, 100%. And I'm not saying that's been biased towards England, 100% not. I, I do think the movement of Germany's front players will be the sternest examination England have had so far. But if their defence holds up, then I think they stand a bit of a chance. And that's kind of worrying, to be honest. Mm. However, what I will say is we are now at the end of this podcast, as you would probably guess by the wee message I've got along the bottom. Um, Stefan, I'm sure folk have heard where to find you before, and I did say it at the top, but feel free to plug your own channel now, my friend. I will do. Um at Dave Talks on Twitter, um, we will be starting again in August. I think August the 1st, we will be back in action for the podcast, uh, recapping all things Scottish football. Um, but from a personal view, if you want to see me talk rubbish in general, at Mr. Stefan Carlin on Twitter. Excellent stuff, my man. Thank you very much for spending time throughout this tournament. It's been good. It's been a pleasure for me to do the Tartan Daily, almost daily for most of the, the time. Um, internet issues, Kai boshed it one day, but I made up for that. We've been doing two podcasts on the one day, on that particular day. And then, uh, to be honest, after the Croatia game, then I've just had to I just had to have a wee bit of time to digest it. And funnily enough, I'm going to end on the uh, unlucky, or lucky for some, it's my favourite number, um, 13 for the podcasts so i don't know if that's a kind of indicator one way or the other did have a couple of ideas for other kind of good episodes and i'm going to be launching more podcasts on my, my hodgy the hack podcast network as time goes on so some of those scotland ideas that didn't quite make it this time i'll, I'll probably explore in other ways but for anybody that's enjoyed listening to the tartan daily then and, and watching it thank you very much I just had today something. Scotland are at a major tournament now. Obviously, we're hoping we're going to get to another one, but there's absolutely no guarantee of that. So I just felt I had to do something, and there's been a chance to do some other cool stuff, like the football trending show with Joe and all of that sort of stuff. So if you check out my Twitter, at HodgyTheHack, then you'll find all of that stuff. This is the end of the Tartan Daily, but if you've enjoyed subscribing to it, and then I'm very, very grateful. What I would say is you can find all of my stuff on just by searching for Hodgey the Hack and on all of the socials. So that's H-O-D-G-E-Y, the Hack, H-A-C-K, all one word. Uh, you can find that on YouTube, on which is where all of my podcasts live, especially the streams for them. So hit the wee bell and you'll hear about all the streams on there. 
Then on Twitter, of course, as all of my daily rantings, musings, all that sort of stuff, um, general attempts to be funny, whatever it might be. Then I also do Instagram, although I'm not photogenic and don't use it that much. And then you can also find Hodgie the Hacking YouTube as well. So if you just type that in there, usually I put all my streams on there, on Twitter and on YouTube, so as everybody can see them. Of course, what I'll be carrying on with soon uh, will be my Hodge on Nodge podcast. That'll be first. But believe me, as the video at the top of my YouTube says, 2021 is the year that it all goes off. So prepare for more from me. But all that remains for me to do is to thank Stefan. Pleasure, mate. Thank you. Thank all of you guys for watching and listening. And to thank Scotland for giving us a few memories at a tournament. And all the Scotland fans in London, absolutely amazing. No Scotland, no party. But even though we are no there, the party still goes on.